How's everybody doing this morning? I was uh, thinking of preaching with a mask on, but decided against it. That wouldn't be very fun, would it? <laughs> so this morning we are continuing this series called The Bridge to Freedom. And one of the things that we've been talking about throughout this series, this is week four of the series, is that there's a bridge basically takes you from one place to another. It often takes you across valleys or other places that would be harder to travel. And I was actually thinking about this this week, thinking about the early settlers, where there were no roads or bridges and things like that. How did they get around? How did they make it? It had to be a pretty tough life to get from the, where they were trying to get inland and try to find other places to live. And when you think about grace, and when you think about grace being the bridge to freedom, we know that that bridge takes us from one place to the other. It takes us from where we are today to where we want to be, right? That's really the purpose of a bridge, to take us from the one place that we are to the place that we want to be. And it often takes us over a lot of valleys and other things that could be harmful or dangerous. So we take that bridge to get across there. And the bridge that I'm proposing in our lives is grace. That's the thing that takes us from one place to the other. How that grace works out in our lives and how we walk in that grace. Because it's one thing to be aware of grace or to know a little bit about what grace is. It's another thing to walk daily with that grace and that responsibility. See, we learned uh, or we were reminded last week or a few weeks ago that grace isn't something that you can earn or purchase. It's not something you can buy on Amazon or buy online. Grace is not something that you can do anything for or do anything to achieve. It's a free gift. And one of the things that we talked about is that we don't obey God to try to gain favor or try to somehow get some kind of reward. We obey God out of a heart of gratitude because of what he's done for us. We begin to realize that amazing grace and how it's worked in each one of us and where it's brought us from to where it's brought us to. And the important part of that is we have to understand that grace at work in our lives, who we were before that grace came, to truly appreciate what grace is and what it does. We have to go a little further back, don't we, in our history. We're going to say, this is who I was then, and this is what grace has done in my life today. We talked about a man named Barabbas. This man was a criminal. He had a long rap sheet that included murder. And when Jesus was brought before Pilate, Pilate gave the option. They released one prisoner each year. Pilate said, you can, we can release Jesus or we can release Barabbas. And Barabbas, though he deserved everything that he had at that moment, he would have deserved crucifixion, sat in that jail cell, heard the footsteps coming down the hallway, and thought for sure he was dead. But instead, he was let free. And the reality is, is we all are Barabbas in one way or another. We all have sin. We all deserve death. But Christ took our place, just like he did with Barabbas. Christ took our place. And so he gave us the capability, the, the, the ability to be able to be free. And then last week, I talked a little bit about our position in grace. You see, if we become a follower of Christ, we stand as a word that we used last week, justified. And we kind of clarified that terminology simply by saying it's 
just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. You've probably heard that before. Just as if I'd never sinned. So we stand before God clean, forgiven, white, white as snow. This is how God sees us. And we don't have to live in fear because of that. We've been forgiven because of what his son did on the cross. And because of that, we learn that we can also go boldly to the throne room of grace. We talked about the Old Testament people. Whenever they were in the presence of God, they landed flat on their face. But we don't have to land flat on our face because we've been forgiven. We're holy. We're righteous. We've been declared righteous. This week, I want to talk a little bit more about the benefits of living under God's grace. And more specifically, I want to talk about God's sustaining grace in our lives. His sustaining grace. You see, God has grace in every season of life. And we find ourselves throughout our lives at different seasons, different times. And we may, we may be going through a season right now. Even when we're thinking of COVID or these other things, it's a season of life. And God gives us grace in whatever season we find ourselves in. You see, most people are worried about their future. They live stressed out and they're wondering what's going to happen with all of this stuff going on around us. If I get laid off, how am I going to handle it? My parents are getting older and my family has a lot of needs. How can I take care of them and my family? Here's the answer. God's grace is going to be there for every stage of your life to help you do what you need to do in that moment. To give you the grace that you need to move forward. See, God's grace is not just to save us, although that's a good benefit. God's grace is saving us, and we talked about that with Barabbas and how he saved us. But God's grace is also an enabling power. It gives us the ability to accomplish what we cannot do on our own. If life is difficult, and it will be, how many can attest to that? Life is difficult, and it will be. It is God's grace over our lives that helps us through those moments of life those seasons that we face and go through. You see, the Apostle Paul is a great example of this. Now, he calls this thing a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. And he begged the Lord to take this away. To take away the thorn in, the, in his flesh. And God didn't. But here's the most important part I want you to see here. What did God do? He pointed Paul back to grace. In the moment where Paul was saying, please take this away from me, God pointed him right back to his grace in his life. We read about this in 2 Corinthians. It'll be showing behind me. If you have your Bible or Bible app, you can follow along as well. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, the, the letter that he wrote to them. It says, three different times... I begged the Lord to take it away. Anybody ever been there where you've begged the Lord for something? Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Other translations will say, my grace is enough, or my grace is sufficient. My grace is all you need, because my power works best in weakness. So now, this is Paul again speaking, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. 
That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now perhaps this morning you're sitting here and you've had a difficult journey. You're watching a loved one struggle or you feel the rage of disease in your body. You may be fearful and you may be weak, but the one thing you're not is you're not alone. The words of amazing grace are yours. This is where it says, "'Tis grace that brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home." "'Tis grace that brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home." Now think of that just for a moment. That thorn in the flesh. It's such a vivid picture. It's such a, a vivid imagery when you think of a thorn in the flesh. Imagine that thorn pressing into your skin. It'll be up behind me, I think, here. That thorn pressing in your skin. Anybody ever felt that? That hurts. <laughs> it hurts. So it's interesting that Paul uses this idea of a thorn in the flesh. I know when I've been pricked by that thorn, at first it looks like, oh, it's not a big deal. It barely looks like it's bleeding. Then all of a sudden it just starts to turn red and starts to bleed everywhere. It's painful. A thorn is painful. It's piercing. And for some of you, every step is a reminder of that thorn in the flesh, the cancer in your body, the sorrow in your heart, the child in rehab center, the red ink on your ledger and the checkbook, the felony on your record, the craving for whiskey in the morning or in the middle of the day, your tears in the middle of the night, your thorn in the flesh. You know what that thorn is. You have pleaded with God to take it away. You've pleaded with God to change the situation. And God's response to you is the same as it was to Paul this morning. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for this need. My grace is enough. I am there for you. And that's what sustaining grace is. You see, Paul makes an important distinction here. We often think of grace as that saving grace, where we were first saved and we first saw the light. We first came to know Christ. And that does. That's an important part of grace. And it does save us from our sins. But then there's this sustaining grace. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. You see, sustaining grace meets us right there where we are, when we're at need and equips us with courage and strength to get through a situation we never thought we could get through. Sustaining grace, you might need to write this down today. Sustaining grace does not promise the absence of struggle, but the presence of God. I want to say that again because you need to get that in, into your spirit just this morning. Sustaining grace does not promise the absence of struggle, but the presence of God. I think that's tweetable. You want to tweet that. God has sufficient and plenty of grace to meet every challenge in life that faces us, for every season of life, whatever you may be going through. There may be some things even now that you're begging would be taken away. We're begging that COVID would just finally go away and not exist anymore. And God would say to you, and would say to me, and would say to us, 
My grace is all you need to get through this season. My grace is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. You see, because there's nothing you are facing today that was a surprise to God. It didn't catch him off guard. He's not looking down going, whoa, I never saw that coming. None of what we're going through is more than what God's grace can handle. God's grace is always, everybody say always, always more than enough. Max Lucado wrote this book on grace, and he says it this way, and I love it because it's a reference to where I grew up in a, in a way, uh, a little lake you may have heard of called Lake Erie. So he makes reference to that. I'm going to read it in a second, but first I have to tell you that, you know, for some people who hear of a lake, you think of maybe Mayberry, and you think of a lake where you go out and you can see all the trees around you. The Great Lakes are not like that. If you've not seen the Great Lakes. And uh, so he makes reference to Lake Erie. It's, it's huge. You don't see the other side. It's really big. It's bigger than what you think. Fresh water. And I grew up really close to Lake Erie in Geneva, Ohio. So this is the reference here. He says, plunge a sponge into Lake Erie. Did you absorb every drop? Take a deep breath. Did you suck the oxygen out of the atmosphere? Pluck a pine needle from a tree in Yosemite. Did you deplete the forest foliage? Watch an ocean wave crash against the beach. Will there ever be another one? Of course there will. You see, that's how grace works. There is plenty of grace for each of us. It's endless. It's an endless supply. The heaven supply will never be depleted of his grace. You can't soak it all up in a sponge. There's plenty there. And this morning I want to speak some encouraging words to you that even now I believe that God is lining up grace in your life. Grace to help you through whatever you're facing today. So let's not sit around with self-pity because again, God's grace is enough. His power works best when you give up trying to control the outcome. I want to stay at, say that one again. His power works best when you give up trying to control the outcome. You're going to feel the power of God like you never have before when you give up control to him. You're going to have a resolve. You're going to have a determination like you've never known before. By God's grace, in this season of life, you are going to make it. God is working in your life, even in this season. What if everything falls apart? What if the economy goes down or people are being laid off? What if your marriage or home is falling apart? What if that car broke down again? God's power works best in what? Weakness. Paul said he takes pleasure in his weakness because when he is weak, God has a way of showing his strength in the midst of that. Said another way, when, when all of Paul's best laid plans fall through, he let go and let God take control. In his weakness, God shows his strength. In your weakness, God shows his strength. In my weakness, God shows his strength. Man, can't we just learn that lesson from the very beginning of life and just live that out? Wouldn't that be amazing? We just released it and gave it to God. Everything that ever came, we just released it and gave it to God. I don't want control. I'm giving it to you, Lord. We would save ourselves a lot of pain and a lot of worry 
if we would just allow God to show his strength in our weaknesses, if we would give up trying to control the outcome, our battles, we will, our will and our lives battles against God's will. So what, what do we do typically? We butt heads because we're trying to force something that wasn't meant to be. That was never a part of God's plan for us. But we let go and we give up control to him. See, because his grace abounds. In Romans chapter 5, verses 20 through 21, it says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, as sin grows and continues to increase all the more, are we in more need or less need of God's grace? We're in more need of God's grace as the sin around us grows. Why? Because we live in a world where decisions of others often, CEOs, bosses, managers, politicians, presidents, even family members, can have a great impact on our lives. We need God's grace even more to protect us and to protect those around us. What happens if we do get laid off? Or maybe our greatest fear begins to take place. What happens then? It is in that weakness that God shows himself strong and how mighty he is. Why? Because the things that we've been holding on to, we've now let go of. And now we can let him begin to take control. I want to say to you this morning, if you're going through a season of life that's been tough, and I think we all are at, at different levels, especially through the things that we've been facing, that I'm believing that God has something lined up for you and that even through all the stuff we're going through, God has a plan, and God is working in his church, and God is working in us, and preparing us for whatever that next step is going to be. But I believe that God is going to move strongly than ever before as we, in our weakness, give up control. As sin abounds, as pro problems abound, opportunity abounds. Why? Because God's grace always supersedes what you're up against. Man, that's a huge amen. God's grace always supersedes what you're up against. It's never too much. God's grace is going to cause you to go further and accomplish more, to overcome what you thought was impossible, to overcome even your greatest fear if it happens, because God's grace is going to be there in that moment. And going to help you through a situation you never thought you could ever face. You never thought you could get through. In fact, you've probably even said it. Man, if that happens, I don't know how I could ever get through that. I would just give up. New opportunities open up a new level of grace and ability in your life. You see, because that is God's favor. That is God's grace at work in your life. I recently uh, heard about this man and his friend, and they were working on his car in the driveway. The jack slipped, and his friend was pinned underneath that vehicle. Now, this man was an average-sized person, 
But in that moment, he was able to lift a 2,000-pound car off of his friend, and it saved his life. That is God's grace showing up in your time of need. That is God lifting that 2,000-pound burden that you're carrying around to save your life. Don't put that burden back on once he's taken it off. See, God's grace provides for us. It protects us. It sustains us. It abounds in us. And it gives us his favor. Yes, it also saves us. And it makes us right with God. Giving us confidence in the steps of faith that we can go to him and pray boldly. This is a small portion of why we call it amazing grace. This morning, we're all in need of God's grace. Every hour, every minute of the day. I like that worship song that we sing sometimes. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. We need him. We need his grace. Every moment of the day, in our coming, in our going, in front of us, behind us, beside us, protecting our families and our homes and our children from generation to generation. That's the God that we need. That's the grace that's available to us every day that we go through. We need God's sustaining grace to give us the ability to continue to press through, knowing that he has something planned in mind that we do not see right now. His grace is enough. It's sufficient. It's more than enough to help us face whatever we're facing. And it also helps to know and to have this as our foundation that God is in control. God is in control. So you can give up control. This morning, as we prepare to close, I want to let you know that after the service, there may be some of you facing a season of life and you need God's grace right now. You're saying, Pastor John, I need it now. I'm not experiencing it. I'm not seeing it. But I need to know that I know that I know that I sense his presence, that I sense that extra person in the fire with me, that I need that grace. And this morning after we close out service, I'm just going to open the altars. There's going to be some music playing in the background because there may be some things that you need to lay before God. There may be a burden, a car on your shoulders right now that you have to lay down to say, God, your grace is enough. You're going to get me through. And your first step this morning is to lay it down at his feet and give up control. Your, your move this morning is to say, Lord, I'm trusting you that even in the midst of everything that I'm going through, you are going to be at work. You are already working. You are already preparing me for whatever you have next for me. But there may be some of you in, in this morning, this morning listening, and you're in need of God's saving grace. You're not even there yet for the sustaining grace in your life. You need to experience his grace, his saving grace today. You have all this junk from your past that you continue to carry around. And you need to experience new life today. You know you need forgiveness. 
And you need to experience the freedom that comes from God's saving grace. This morning to you, whether you're here in, in the live sanctuary or whether you're watching online, you can take that first step of experiencing his grace today. It's just a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about it. But it's a prayer meant from the heart. You can say something like this, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my past. Make me new and give me a fresh start in life. I need to experience your saving grace today so that I can also recognize your sustaining grace in my life. I need your saving grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that's a first step if you've prayed that prayer today with us. The next step would be continuing to draw closer to, to Christ, find a Bible, church. Of course, you're welcome to come here. We welcome you here in this place. But your next step is to find that good Bible-believing church that you can continue to grow in God's grace in your life, continue to walk in God's grace in your life. This morning, if you're here, I'd like you to stand as I do this blessing over you. And I had a blessing prepared, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to go right back to the last song we just did. That is God's blessing over our lives. I'm going to speak that over you today. And what you can do is simply, as a sign of receiving this blessing, you can hold your hands out if you feel comfortable doing that. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is with you. He is with you. Walk in grace this week. May God bless you and have a great week. I should have used you as an example. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. That's pretty amazing, huh? How that adrenaline or whatever it is that just rises up in you, right? Oh, my goodness. Crazy. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I love that. Wow. <laughs>